And it is the last Wednesday of the month, and that means Dr. Paul Peterson joins us in studio. He is the superintendent of the Mankato Area Public Schools, District 77, talking about things happening. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Karen. You have a lot of work on your plate now, I know, Paul, because we've been seeing a lot of yeah. articles in the paper mm-hmm. about something about $110 million. <laughs> what is that all about? Yeah, yeah thanks, Karen. So, um, yeah, summer, th- things have, uh, you know, we don't have kids in the buildings. We don't yep. have a lot of kids and a lot of staff, but... Things are really moving uh, as we anticipate and get ready for next school year. And our school board is uh, continuing to take steps to uh, the for the potential of a November 7th bond referendum. So this November already? This coming, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and you know, for some, it's like, wow, that's really creeping up on us. And for others, it's... I've even heard from community members saying, haven't we already voted on that? Oh. Like, you, you've been talking about this for so long. But uh, with COVID and just all of those yep. sorts of things over the last few years, we've had to really slow it down. But yes. Um, so what are, what is included in this? $110 million sounds like a lot of money, which it bet. is. Yeah, you bet it is. It is a lot. And, and the board won't make a final decision. On, well, first off, they have to make a decision as to whether to have a bond referendum. But they also won't decide on that that total dollar amount until August. Um, oh. We've got a few steps to take here, but but potentially um, it it could get itself to 110 or 110 million, and that's based on what the needs are across the district. And so let's just assume that it is 110 million dollars. What that would go towards, um, really, there's three three main buckets. Uh, one is um, looking at uh, developing safer and more welcoming entrances at many of our schools. And you've talked about that quite a bit because of the things we keep hearing in the news. Unfortunately, that's something that we even need to talk about. <sighs> Isn't that something? Yeah. It's so, you know, we all of our schools are locked, but we have, there are different uh, levels of security and safety. And we want our schools to, and we're, we, we don't have, these aren't prisons. And so we want them to be welcoming and inclusive of, of everyone. But, but safe. It, and safe. Yeah. And so um, what really that portion of the bond referendum would go towards is making sure that our entrances provide um, a traffic pattern where people are getting inside, but then having to go through an office, mm-hmm. sign in, swipe a driver's license, um, having a secretary ask, what's your business? Who do you need to see? And then um, providing access to the building through a secured entryway. I mean, um, are we talking things like scanners for guns or things like that? I mean, you know, we've heard that in some places. Sure. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of, there's there's current technology and then there's a lot of emerging technology that, that's sure. out there. And so we, we continue to look at all of those. Um, and we do have safe, secure, welcoming entrances. I think of uh, like Rosa Parks. Rosa Parks is one of those schools where you go into the front door, but then you have to go through the office. Mm-hmm. And it's um, newer, so. And it's newer. Mm-hmm. And, and all of the newer schools have those components. And so um, that's a really big portion of what this bond referendum would entail. Second portion of it um, will really help us firm up and uh, rededicate ourselves to the early learning, our earliest of learners in the community with that beautiful new um, Center for Learning building. It's the former MRCI building right up here by campus mm-hmm. on Map Drive uh, off a of stadium. Um, we already have programming in there, early learning, early childhood, um, but there's that's a big building, and right. we want to make sure that we get that building done right so we can provide wraparound care, daycare services. Um, we're going to be moving our nutrition services into that building. and oh. But really, early learning, special education, um, and then also providing for some daycare opportunities in Eagle Lake. Um, that's a continuing, growing community. And like a lot of communities, there's a daycare need. And we, we believe that at Eagle Lake Elementary, with just some subtle tweaks where we'd be able to offer up a MAPS uh, daycare facility there. 
So that's number two. The third part of uh, the the bond referendum uh, projects would be to get uh, get going on the improvements that are needed at West High School. Um, about ten years ago, East High School went through some pretty significant transformation, opening up some classrooms, providing more flex spaces. When you walk through East now, I mean, it's it for for people who graduated from East maybe twenty thirty years ago, it's really it, it looks different. I mean, it's it's a it's a modern contemporary high school feel. And West I still got to say, Paul, I always get lost <laughs> in that school because <laughs> we go to the parent-teacher thing. Oh, sure. Down all those hallways, man. Oh, I, that is true. I mean, the academic wing when <laughs> kind of that's kind of outdated. It's still. a little bit of a maze. Yeah, yeah. It is, but anyway. um, but West needs to kind of get with it. I mean, you know, we need to make some improvements with not only their entry system because West um, does not have a safe, secure, welcoming entrance. So we got to get that in there. But then there's also flex spaces, gymnasium. Um, the music area of West. Um, and the pool you always mentioned. The pool. Yeah, the pool The pool hasn't had a drop of water for now th- going on three years. That seems like a wasted space to me. It is. So that's got to get torn off. Um, we need to use that space differently for kids and for the community. And then we need a, we need a water solution in the West Attendance area. The, the, the Cougar Pool, the East High School Pool, um, is great. But that thing is it's being it's over capacity in terms of its usage and the problem not only with scarlets and cougars sharing a pool but then you don't have opportunities for the community to use the pool or for kids to learn how to swim and swimming lessons and so it's it i think maybe potentially you could hear folks say well gosh you know pool that's kind of a that's kind of a frill but for a community of our size and for a district as large as ours we it really is a need and um, it wouldn't go, a, a new pool wouldn't go on the West Campus. We'd find somewhere else in the West area, likely at Dakota Meadows. Beautiful space up there. Um, and, you know, middle schoolers and younger, that's when kids are learning how to swim. And so having that access right up there um, is, is something that we think makes a lot of sense. But So th- those are the projects that we're talking about, maybe with some co-curricular upgrades as well. Um, and our board is taking this seriously because they know, I mean, when you're asking for that dollar amount that's there's a tax impact on right and let's talk about that because the sure. listeners are taxpayers you and bet. they'll probably say well how is this going to affect me yep i mean that's the question that's right and so um the effect of a resident a business owner somebody who owns ag property is something that our board our district will want to make sure people are crystal clear as to what the impact will be right. we did some surveying back in january where we were talking about tax tolerance and that's really where we came up with the number of 110 million because the data that we received from the community through our polling suggested that that was about the ceiling that our taxpayers could could and would support. And so what does that mean? What it means is for the average price home in Mankato, which right now is about $255,000, that's the average price home. On the average price home, the impact on a $110 million bond for that homeowner is about $135 a year. And the numbers at $135 a year polled well above 50%. Um, Because of course, when you go to the vote, um, you'd want something that would be supported by your voters. There's no need, there's no reason to go out for this massive amount where if your voters- Nobody's gonna vote for it, right. (laughs) We can't afford that. You get a no vote and now you're back to the drawing board. Right. we, as our leadership team, we always talk about how many times do we want to do this? We want to do it once. So let's make sure we get the right number. 
We make, we, we make sure our community has all the information they need, including tax impact. And then um, now, how about farmers? Because I remember growing up, we grew up on a big, a large, very large farm, and that was always an issue because of the the tax impact bet. on on farmers. So, do you have any ideas on how that? I don't know if they go based on per acre or how do they yeah, do that. They do go per acre. Um, but here's the good news: um, a few years ago, not just this past legislative session, but a couple legislative sessions ago, our um, the state government made a significant shift to take on the tax burden from um, for ag because different from an oper- operating referendum where ag land is taxed it's the homestead and one acre mm-hmm. um, when you're talking bond referendums it's the homestead and all of the acres and so um, a few like I said a few years ago the state stepped in and said that's too big of a burden and it was making it really difficult for rural right. school districts to pass critical need referendums. And farmers, rightfully so, were saying, I get that you have a need. I don't have that kind of money. Right. And so it was it was becoming cost prohibitive. It was creating a lot of um, bad feelings between school district people who are advocating for kids, people who work in the ag community saying, yeah, we're all about kids too, and, but, but, but we okay. need to make this work. And so, you know, your family, great example of having to, that's a really tough position to put families in who are uh, either on a cattle farm or they're, uh, they've got crops. Well, ours was dairy, and, and okay. you know, the, uh, that's years ago, but fluctuations, you know, and the weather, and there were so many variables on whether or not you would, how you would even be able to get through a year. So, I mean, that's, I remember, because my, my mom was really active in politics and used to yep. go around talking about taxes all you the bet. time. So that's, that's so kind of the, I'm familiar with. So we are very fortunate. The Ag to School tax credit came in has now been great uh, a great benefit right down the road maple river school district mm-hmm. they built a beautiful k-12 school they were able to get uh, and convince their voters um because of the, the the tax credit that was provided to the egg community where in previous years when that wasn't there it was just too expensive well i've heard some you know that that have failed more than four times you bet. and so is it the fa- fact that they were over priced or was it the tax burden you know it, or it, yeah it, I, I I truly believe that it was the way in which Minnesota um, organize or figures out the calculation of who pays what mm-hmm. and you know residential okay we make the case there business community yep we see the benefit it really has been and that was really a um, you know I've, I have experience with that in a previous district where um, the the arguments that we were having really were ones that needed to be had at the state government level. Thankfully, that occurred, and um, people were able to lobby their legislators to get that done. So it's really toned down that um, element of bond reference, but our, our egg community is still an important element that we want because uh, those kids go to school too, and, and they deserve top, top quality, um, adequate uh, facilities. And uh, thankfully, that is a, that's something that our, the state has uh, addressed for us. Okay, so then people are going to say, well, you need $110 million in facilities, but the enrollment has been going down. Sure. So how do you address that? Because it has been. I don't know, remember, at some point we were near 8,000 students in the district? Yeah, we're at 8. Okay, we are at 8. Yep, we're at 8. And we've talked about declining enrollment. Sure. How do you justify that then? Right, so, um, you know, five years ago when we were talking about facilities improvements, 
um, we weren't just talking about improving like the adequacy of our of our sites. We were talking about capacity. Mm-hmm. Like our elementary schools yeah. were overflowing, and we're going to need one, maybe two more. Well, that argument is, or that that line of thinking has subsided. Even though we have some really strong enrollments at K-5, mm-hmm. we aren't seeing this push of, oh, my gosh, we need to pop up another elementary school in North Mankato or in the East Attendance area. That, so from a capacity perspective, our facilities, we don't have needs. The need is really now shifted to adequacy. Okay. So when you're talking about safe and secure entrances, sure. um, the have, making sure that we have high school learning experiences at West that are equal or equitable to what's happening over at East. Um, We have early learning needs as more and more families are seeking out high-quality preschool, daycare. Um, Those really aren't related to enrollment. They're related to the community's expectations on their public school system. And so um, just like here at MSU, um, there are facility needs that you go and MSU has a very different process because they they work through the bonding right. um, process with the state legislature. Um, but we'll have the opportunity to engage with our community here, very likely in the fall. Again, I don't want to um, over assume what our board will do, but they'll have to make a decision here now in the next two months. Um, and if it's go time, then we'll be spending our time in the in the fall with a uh, information plan out to community members to make sure that they can make an informed decision. I was looking at some statistics from an article it said if if the board decides to move ahead on the construction referendum in August, it would come just 10 years after 70% of voters favored the $69.5 million mm-hmm. ballot question that led to the major renovation of East High School back then uh, and the expansion of Dakota Meadows Middle School and the creation of the Prairie Winds Middle School. And uh, the capital investment then also included a $1.8 million for renovations at the Garfield Elementary School. So we're talking 10 years ago. There you go, 10 years. And it's interesting, when you look back in the history of Mankato schools, it's, it's, it's almost exactly 10 years. Like 10 years, So it's 10 like years. a cycle. And <laughs> if you're the superintendent, it's like, well, we're going to probably do it this year. Here we go. Yeah. And and we were really, you know, we were watching the work of our legislature really closely, also looking at our enrollments and how we were minding our, uh, minding our budget, because we weren't quite sure if we were going to have to go out just for a bond referendum this fall, or if it was going to have to be a combo, bond referendum and operating. And thankfully, um, our our budget's coming in really strong here at the end of this fiscal year, and no doubt about it, the state legislature came through for public schools. But you just cut a bunch too. We right? did. Didn't you do like four point two? Am I nine? Right? No, we oh, at, it was nine million. It was nine. And, okay, and, so nine millions in cuts. Yep. And now we're asking for more money. So what what happened with that nine million? Where, great. Where did you cut that out? Yeah, great question. And and that is part of our messaging has really. Uh, attempted to be really clear with folks that in the year 2023, there were three things that needed to happen. We needed to get our budget right internally, and that was that $9 million adjustment. That's right. just operational dollars yeah. due to COVID, due to ESSER money going away, due to inflation, due to declining enrollment. We needed to make a $9 million adjustment. Done. Step two, the legislature, we can't do it by ourselves. So along with that $9 million adjustment, we need to see significant funding for public education and we have to say thank you because they, they did that they did it i mean we're they're coming through with four percent increase on the general uh, pupil formula for next school year the next year it's two percent and then after that they're tying our per pupil funding to inflation mm-hmm. never happened before okay. that's big 
for public schools because you're always playing catch up. As right. as prices go up and your your uh, funding stays flat, you're going to have yourself a problem at some point. So that was step two. Step three was looking at what we were going to need from our community in the fall. Now, steps one and two took care of the operational challenges for the next few years, which we are so thankful for. It now allows our board to shift its attention to facilities. And the dollars that we're talking about with the $9 million adjustment that we made and then the money coming from the state has nothing to do with bricks and mortar, with the facilities, the upkeep, the maintenance of our, our taxpayer buildings. And so bond referendums are the ways that school districts can then make sure that you're maintaining adequate spaces for kids, both now and into the future. Um, and then we thankfully have been able to kick the operational challenges down the road. They're, they're always there for public schools. No right. doubt, two, three years from now, the school district will be back looking at where's the operational uh, mm-hmm. budget. I, I'm very confident we're not going to be in a $9 million hole. Um, that th- did, the, did we have to cut people for that $9 million? You bet we did, yeah. So let's talk about that because people sure. always want to know the human toll yeah. that sometimes these budgets take. You bet. It went everywhere from cabinet-level administration right through um, our our principal leadership um, into our coordinators and directors um, and then into our classrooms and with our support staff. So how many people actually ended up? Either yeah, it's, it's it's a tough number. I mean, we 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 had about twenty K through five teachers who were um, whether we were right sizing due to declining enrollment or just needing to make a budget cut. Thankfully, a lot of those folks, because of retirements or resignations or just other reasons why other teachers who weren't cut left, we were able to bring back a whole lot of those. We'll still be down the number of FTEs, but the human toll. Um, uh, has been lessened. Just just the natural attrition of people finding new jobs, people deciding, oh, I want to work somewhere else, or a principal saying, oh, I think you need to go work somewhere else. I mean, all, all of that. How about the at the administration levels? Because you mentioned from all the levels, because a lot of times people say, well, you know, the teachers are the ones that are teaching the students. You bet. And was there any cut at the top? Because that's always at the university level, sure. at the government level, wherever is um, you know are, are you top heavy and what what happened right there? yeah it's fair it's a fair question and you know thankfully we run our our data every year uh, both at a state comparison and then locally to see what percentage of our budget is used going directly to kids mm-hmm. and directly into classrooms and then what's the what are the supporting casts sure. roles that are important to to mm-hmm. make schools go so um, we saw a uh, cabinet level position be eliminated. We uh, have eliminated assistant principal positions um, at both of our high schools. We eliminated dean positions at our middle schools. Um, we also saw significant reductions in our instructional support staff. So that's not paraprofessionals. These yeah, because I was going to say paras are really oh, yeah. critical. No. Paras were probably one of the only groups that uh, paras, nurses, uh, social workers, and counselors were the only groups that weren't touched. And, and with the mental health issues we've <laughs> talked about in the past, those are critical. Exactly right. Yeah. So, um, but every other area had had to um, had to be a part of us getting to a very large number. Um, now, we we believe that that's behind us, and so now as we build for another really strong school year, yeah, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to change some of our practices. But the kids who are coming through maps now deserve and will get just as high quality just as uh, you know a, a high touch personalized experience as every other kid has when uh, 
maybe the district had more resources to to do their work. So we've got really creative people, positive mindsets, and um, and I think that uh, the, our focus on future education and innovation are, are really going to pay off. How do class sizes look? You know, coming in this fall with the cuts you've made yeah. and with the enrollment change. Um, are they looking sort of like they have been in the past uh, before? Because I know there there were some pretty crowded classes. I know my kids in even elementary, you know, with over over thirty kids, and that's oh, wow. that's a lot of <laughs> kids in a room. Yeah, you bet. But so I'm just curious, how do you have any any I do. idea yet at this point? Yep. So part of our adjustment plan was to make sure number one, we needed to right size our class sizes to enrollment, um, and that's kind of a a, a, a a nice way to say that. Um, we had some of our class classes that had really low enrollments, and and I, you know I don't know if if you could ever argue that the the enrollment is too low, but there is a cost benefit um, sure. with with something like that. So we had to make sure that we had those right. Part of our adjustment was that we uh, did adjust our ratios uh, by two to three kids um, across K five, six, eight, and nine, twelve. Now that doesn't mean every class is going to see an increase because sure. we have neighborhood elementary schools. Mm-hmm. So that means the neighborhood feeds those elementary schools. So they, like a Jefferson elementary has a much smaller footprint over in the West Tennis area than say Rosa Parks um, or Washington that captures from a whole lot of people. And so I think in general, we can say there will probably be a few more kids in classes, but none of the numbers that we're seeing right now at the end of June are are making us look at um, and say that we are completely out of bounds or completely unreasonable. Um, But yes, with budget adjustments, with fewer adults working with kids, um, we're really hoping that um, we can keep those numbers manageable and then also provide the supporting staff, like paraprofessionals, Mm -hmm. so critical um, to be another set of eyes and ears to work with our kids. You know, I don't know if this has changed. Has the pay for pairs and that sort of thing changed? Because, you know, I've, as I look at the, the role they have played in my child's life in the past, and it's so critical, and I think they have been among the lowest paid people. Mm-hmm. Has that changed at all? I mean, because I knew you have had trouble attracting people to positions because that's probably one of the reasons. You bet. Yeah. And so when the when the economy is strong, mm-hmm. when we have very low unemployment, I tell you, paraprofessional positions are really hard to yeah, fill right. because they... They are looking around the community. They're looking around the economy. Say, I can make more flipping burgers or <laughs> there something. There you go. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And so, thankfully, uh, support staff wages have increased in the last two, three, four years. Nowhere near where they need to be. And I, I, our family is, is in the same boat as you. Mm-hmm. Paraprofessionals helped, and we're supporting, and we're leading our, one of our sons sure. throughout his whole education. Mm-hmm. They're priceless. Oh, absolutely! Are, I know they are—they are angels from heaven. Yes, they. And, and I agree. And not everyone can do that. There, I, I. You have to be a person with patience and and, <laughs> and and just a heart of gold. Yeah. Um. So thankfully, the the uh, the pay and the benefits have improved. Just this past legislative session, uh, the state legislature took the the move that now our paraprofessionals qualify for unemployment in the summer, and so oh. uh, it the the hope is. That if they access unemployment, then they are more likely to stick around and come back, yeah. and come back in the fall. Sure. Um, there's always more work to do with support staff wages. Again, with most of our dollars coming from the state government um, and most of our budget expenditures being on people, that's why we're fighting so hard up in St. Paul to make sure that our schools are adequately funded, not to 
pad the salaries of our you know cabinet level or whatever else, but to make sure that the people who are directly working with kids, yeah. um, they, they've got the passion and the love, but they also have to make it work in their checkbook. Um, and and that's 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 what makes it go. You know, another issue that we've we've seen is the test scores, and a lot of that mm-hmm. came after COVID, and they're just I mean they're abysmal in many cases. So. Are any of the methods of teaching going to be changing, or yeah. or what's happening in that area? Um, because that's been a concern of the loss of knowledge in there. I tell, and and we have seen that. That was we we dedicated ourselves this past year to get ourselves back on track mm-hmm. with a real focus on learning, and in all of its forms, um, whether that's academic learning, social emotional learning, behavioral, all all of the the elements after all of the nuttiness of the last the last few years. I'm pleased to say that we have seen um, across our system gains in learning, reading, math, science, elementary, middle, and high school. Um, and so it's it's great to see, you know, for guys like me where you can see where those trend lines were, say, 10 years ago, where they started to dip during COVID, and now is, those lines are coming back. Okay. And, and some of our schools, I mean, we, we have a few of our elementary schools that saw drastic increases in student uh, in accelerating student human touch part you bet it is yeah i mean i and not to call them out but i mean franklin elementary and kennedy and eagle lake and bridges and i mean and those are just four that just pop off in my Mm -hmm. head but there are other classrooms and systems or school systems uh, here that really are seeing data that you know what data does is it tells us what to do next right and there's a lot of positive signs that our kids and kids are so goddamn resilient, you know. And we saw that dip at co- the, the post COVID is like, whoa, we got some work to do. Those kids have bounced; they've bounced right back. There's still a ton of work to do. We're still climbing out of that. But I think not just our school district, but I think schools across Minnesota, oh, right? Yeah. Um, in the last year, have been pleased to see that we're we're not living in that those pits, <laughs> but our teachers are just they're crushing it. I mean, they, they, they are really, their professional judgment of identifying where's the kid at, where do I need to get him or her, and then making it happen. It's, it's awesome. All right, we've talked a lot about money and taxes and things. <laughs> what else is going some good news at the, the school district, Paul? I know you're always full of good news. Yeah, well, I, so Camp Ignite, um, that is, a, uh, is our way of saying summer school. Um, oh, has started camping camp, you... camp ignite ignite okay, yeah got it. yeah you know sometimes summer school is about remediation sometimes right. it's about acceleration sometimes it's about enrichment and we have designed our uh, elementary program to take on a camp feel um because you know i'm, I'm sure that there's well, camp some... is fun school it's you so know fun yeah right <laughs> so we're still hitting the basics we're still hitting the things that kids need to know and we're still doing everything that we can to prevent that summer learning loss but our teachers and our administrators who designed this year's program have really have really taken, you know, have put on their creative hat to say, how can we do this in a way that makes kid makes kids and their families say, yeah, you got to get yourself back to Camp Ignite. They're spending a lot of time outside. They're going they're going to a lot of places within our community. Um, it's just been really fun to, to makes s- me want to go. Yeah. I want to go to school. Can I go to camp school? Yeah, can, yeah. can I go to Camp Ignite? Um, so, well, that's 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 wonderful. I know Grant did, had some summer experiences yeah. when he was younger as well, which was, you know, it was kind of more like a camp and thing. Uh, we're almost out of time. Anything else you'd like people to know about if they have any questions or yeah. things they want to give input on? How For do they- sure. I mean, yeah, we're always, look, I'm always interested in hearing from our community and, and especially as we, you know, work towards 
potential referendum, as people hear about the plans, if there's input, suggestions for improvement, as they start seeing some renderings as to what either these entrances would look like or the the adjustments that we're going to be making at West High School or preschool, always open. People can find uh, my contact online. Our maps are um, isd77.org is our is our website. Um, Will there be open sessions coming up in the fall or sometime? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, a lot of, lot of that. Yep, informational sessions, um, and not just the required ones by law, but we're going to be out and about sure. talking to anybody, um, making sure. And, again, the school district won't be in a position to advocate for anything. It'll be about sharing information right. about um, the health of our schools, where does our community want to see those going, and then um, – very likely take a vote on November 7th. Well, fortunately, we'll be able to hopefully have you back on again to talk about things as they develop. And I want to thank you for coming in today, Dr. Paul Peterson, who is the superintendent of Mankato Area Public Schools. Always great to have you on the show and inform us what's happening. Thanks, Karen. All right. Bye-bye.